Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Braves Football Podcast. My name is Kieran Rao, and today, to complete the lineup, I got the name on the back of everyone's shirts. It is Alex Ipoke. Yes, thank you, Kieran. I'm once again and always very happy to be here uh, to talk about the round of 16 of the, of the 2018 World Cup, which has been a great tournament so far. Lots of, well, one big major upsets. Uh, the favorite teams struggling to get uh, to get big points against on paper smaller teams, and so we have very exciting and perhaps uh, fixtures that uh, people didn't really expect uh, before the start of the competition. Uh, but today we're gonna we're gonna talk about them and try to see who we think is gonna go through the quarterfinals, who's gonna get kicked out, and uh, yeah, we'll just talk about the major talking points for those uh, coming up eight games. Absolutely. There have been a few surprise exits from the tournament, but don't worry, guys. There are definitely some extremely tantalizing fixtures that we've got just waiting for to, for us to cover. Let's start off with the big one. We've got France playing against Leo Messi's Argentina. Alexis Poquet, where do you see this match being won and lost? I think it's all going to fall on uh, Leo Messi's performance. Well, not all of it, maybe, but a huge part of it. If if he's able to carry Argentina like he's done it uh, to some extent in the group stage and in the qualification, especially on that last game with the hat-trick, then I don't think uh, France going to be able to stop him, especially with what they've been showing for the last uh, three games and even for the past year overall. Uh, the defense is definitely not the strongest points, especially with, like, Koscielny not being here. Uh, Umtiti and Varane have been all right for, like, the group stage, but they haven't... Uh, they haven't been faced with a huge competition either. Um, the right back and left back Hernandez and Pavar, like Hernandez and and uh, City Base, are are uh, really good news for the French squad uh, in that they've been playing really well for the group stage. Um, but that's not going to be enough to like contain Messi. So if the central defense and uh, Kante are able to uh, prevent Messi from uh, doing what he does best, which is like control the game, give those like great passes, and and give the, and give him allow him to have too much space in the defense. Then I don't think France uh, stands much chance, especially uh, considering that our attack hasn't been that good uh, in the tournament. Uh, but if France plays with a lot of uh, aggressivity and they're able to like prevent Messi from uh, from from controlling the game, then I think on counter attack France can destroy Argentina, which has one of the weakest defense uh, of the tournament with like a very poor goalkeeping. Mascherano has been terrible in that defensive uh, position in midfield and, and their defense isn't just at the level that uh, a World Cup requires. So I think that's going to be like the two main, um, the two main factors that are going to decide the game. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, going into this game, people will be looking at this Argentina side who barely scraped past the group stage, and they'll be kind of wondering how they can actually get a result against one of the favorites to start this tournament in France. But I think the last game in the group stage for Argentina really showed us something that um, is really powerful for this Argentinian side, and that is Leo Messi's influence on the team. I mean... Sampaoli, the manager, has had a torrid time through the group stage. I think just his lack of consistency, of even with simple things of like maintaining a back three or a back four, has kind of permeated into the squad, and they don't really have as much of confidence in their tactics. But we saw 
even that last game with Messi huddling with the players in the tor- in the tunnel, he's really controlling this dressing room. He he's really the one who's taking it upon himself to have an impact. And I think if the players kind of go up for him, it'll be kind of interesting to see how France can cope. Right, uh, and it's really like he's the one really controlling that team. As you, as you said, he probably has much more influence than the coach has, but that I think can have a. It's, it can have a double edge in, in that the coach uh, puts the... And he's been very transparent about this. He's putting the players that can play with Messi, even though they're not the best. That means for like the past, not just since the beginning of the competition, but even uh, before that, his bench players like uh, Aguero, like Dybala, like Di Maria consistently, just because they weren't... Uh, their chemistry with Messi isn't as great as he hopes. And that means that Argentina is like passing on huge weapons that like, I mean, Dybala has got 27 goals uh, with Juve this season. Uh, Agro has been a goal machine for like six, seven years with Man City now. And just because he puts like too much attention on Messi, he pretty much like sabotages his own team. It really is a double-edged sword. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. I think um, choosing the personnel in this Argentinian, sw- in Argentinian squad is going to be um, really key because they do have a really forward-heavy squad going going forward. They have a bunch of talent, but it's really about controlling the back and controlling that midfield. Like as you mentioned, Mascherano seems like a player who's who's not really up to it. He's he's slow off the ball. He's not really making the sort of tackles that we even saw from him in his uh, Barcelona time or even in uh, Liverpool. He's not really that breaker who's kind of breaking up the play that's attacking this mid this these defensive these defensive players for Argentina. And especially with Otamendi in defense, um, I mean, that man alone can unravel any title challenge. So it's going to be very difficult for them. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And another uh, point that I think could really help France and to kind of counter what a lot of people have been saying about France since the beginning of the tournament, which is true, uh, their attack hasn't been as good as uh, one hoped. Uh, France's attack is their number one weapon, much more than their defense. And... But since the beginning of the World Cup, they haven't been able to really deploy that. And one, or maybe the biggest reason for that, isn't uh, the tactical choice of the of the coach. It's more the opponents that they faced. All three teams were really uh, either parking the bus or like or very defensive defensive minded uh, teams. And that is not something that France uh, is is good at like playing against that type of team what they're amazing at though is kind of like quick play up front quick passing uh, they've got like they've got rockets up front with like Mbappe uh, Griezmann Dembele and so against a team like Argentina which isn't gonna st- uh, stay at the back uh, because that's not how they can win the only way they can win is if Messi is on top of his game and if for Messi to be on top of his game they need to have the ball they need to have possession they need to have uh, a big presence next to the opponent's box and since that's going to be the case, then France is going to be able to just launch those rockets up front. And, and that's that, for me, that's the reason why France is going to beat Argentina. Let's move on to the second game that's happening in the, in the knockout stages with Uruguay facing Portugal. Right, so two teams that are maybe not as uh, big as France and Argentina, but still a very exciting game. On one side, we've got the maybe, I mean, the best player in the world or one of the two best players in the world with uh, Ronaldo facing a very, very strong attack, maybe the strongest attacking draw in the World Cup, Cavani and Suarez. So out of those two very promising attacks, who do you think is going to take the advantage? I think you're absolutely right. Going forward, these two teams are absolutely fantastic. But I think Uruguay might edge this tie. I think 
that their solid spine of Godin kind of marshalling that back line will allow players like Suarez and Cavani to really express themselves going forward. And they'll really be able to grow into this game. Um, we saw in the beginning of the group that Suarez wasn't really up to himself, but as the games went on, he sort of lashed his teeth, uh, forgive the pun, into the tournament. And we've seen a different Suarez. We've seen one that's kind of looking for those quick one-twos and really wants to get in behind the defense. And I think he is really going to be key for Uruguay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I agree with most of your points. Um, well, but the thing I don't agree with is that I think Portugal is going to go through. Obviously, the main weapon is Ronaldo. He's been carrying Portugal on that first game against Spain. Uh, even the second game against Morocco. He wasn't as good against Iran in the third game. Uh, but that's still, he, the Portugal was still able to to qualify. And even if he is carrying the team at some uh, at some points uh, in this World Cup, it's not like the Euro 2016 where he was really the only, pretty much the only man in that squad. Uh, they have much more weapons this year around him. Uh, players like Gelson Martins, who's been amazing so far, and even in like pre pre World Cup uh, games showed a, a lot of promise. And players like his great friend Charisma who scored an absolute stunner in the last game against Iran. That I said of the foot, if you haven't seen it, like go watch it. It's just, it's it's amazing. Uh, and so for that reason, I, I think they'll go through. And even if overall their attack might not be as good as Uruguay's attack, I think defensively, uh, Portugal is also really strong and much more balanced than they were like at any time in the past, maybe like two, three, four years. They have players like Guerrero, like Pepe, and even in midfield like Romario, uh, Silva, we're just like really like strong, good players uh, who play really well together. Their keeper is also very experienced. He was really good at the Euro. He's still pretty good in this World Cup. Um, and Port Portugal, like this, like they've been showing for the past two, three years, they're not easy to play against. They're not going to destroy teams, but no one's going to be able to destroy them either. No one's going to be able to really score like three, four, five goals against them. And that's why I think that even though Uruguay have a huge uh, striking power up front, they just won't be able to overtake that uh, very frustrating uh, Portuguese side. I think you made some fantastic points there, but the one source of issue I do have with this Portugal team, although your the defense has been solid, as you mentioned, is the one center back that partners Pepe. I think Jose, Southampton's Jose Font could be really culprit in this situation because we've seen in the Premier League without um, a commanding defender alongside him in terms of Roger van Dijk, Southampton almost fell apart while he was there. Obviously he did of course move on to West Ham but without that commanding presence he really seems like a chicken without a head. He doesn't have the composure and between the two Suarez and Cavani I think those intricate runs might be targeted towards him and that could potentially be Portugal's undoing. Yeah, that's that's totally possible, and and we'll have to to wait and see uh, if that's the case. Uh, we'll move on now to our, the third game we're going to talk about today. That's Croatia versus Denmark. Yeah, this like, this match is actually quite exciting for people who don't really know, um, haven't really been following the tournament. Croatia have been absolutely fantastic. Right, and that's why I now put them in my top three favorites for the tournament up there with uh, I, I still keep Spain up there uh, and of course Brazil Croatia has been the most convincing side by far in this tournament uh, maybe alongside Brazil but I think even more than them because they've won all the, they've won all three of their games 
they've beaten Argentina super easily. Uh, they have a really strong defense. They have great midfield players, probably like the best uh, creative players right now in the world with Modric. Rakicic has also been really, really good uh, alongside him. Uh, coming off the bench, Kovacic has been really uh, impressive as well. And then Mandzukic up front is, is great. I, I said it before the World Cup that Croatia was one of my uh, favorite underdogs. And now they're, just, they're not even the underdogs anymore for me. They are one of the... Uh, potential winner of this World Cup, especially considering that they're in a, the easiest uh, half of the draw. Um, they they might have a very tough uh, quarterfinal uh, if they face Spain, but if they are able to get past Spain, then I think no one's going to be able to, be able to stop them until the final. So that's why I really put them up there with with Spain and Brazil uh, for the for my favorites. I think you're absolutely right. That midfield in Croatia is absolutely fantastic. And unfortunately, this Danish side doesn't really have the caliber to compete with that. Um, I think Eriksen could do well against a few of their defenders, unfortunately, like Dejan Lovren. But I don't think it'll be enough. Um, Smeichel has been keeping really well, but the constant onslaught of this Croatian attack might be too much to handle. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And we'll have to see once again to see if that's, uh, if that's actually the case. Uh, in the meantime, we'll move on to the last game we're going to talk in details about today, and that's Colombia versus England. This game is absolutely exciting. I mean, we've seen the uh, the memes going around social media, and we all know that football is coming home. England are winning the World Cup. I think you're out of your freaking mind. Uh, it is not coming home, or if it is, it's not England. I think it's. I think Colombia is going to take this game. To be honest. Um, England have been, although they've destroyed Panama, uh, they won. They were very disappointing against Belgium, and not just. Uh, I know that they uh, put in their, like they didn't put their like starting eleven, and they didn't really want to win the game, but just the, like the mindset that they entered this game with was really disappointing. The fact that they didn't even try to like get a goal to even, not even try to equalize, just try to get an okay, like try to get a chance to score a goal. Uh, after they were one nil done against Belgium, and the fact that they did not even try that was, I think, really pathetic. And and the only like Lingard has been amazing, Kane has been amazing, individually they've been amazing. I just don't think there's going to be enough to beat this Colombian side, uh, which is going to play with a lot of heart. Who has amazing players up front. Uh, Falcao for his first World Cup has been so good, not just in terms of scoring, but like holding up the ball, uh, passing it, being just a great leader, a great captain on the pitch. Quintero has been amazing as well uh, since James couldn't play the first game uh, and got, came out injured uh, at the beginning of the third game. Uh, Quintero just like stepped up and showed how good of a player he is, how amazing of a player he is. And then obviously James, if he's able to get uh if he's able to play against england if he's fit again uh then i think he'll he'll play at the level that he played during the second game uh like colombia's second game in the group stage where he gave like two assists in a very convincing win against poland so for all those reasons i just i think colombia is going to be too much for england which i think once again uh is going to fail to go through that uh, run of 16 phase and is just going to disappoint all of their fans once again I think you make some fantastic points. And in all seriousness, it, it, it would be difficult for England to get past this tie. I think you touched on it a little bit there. Um, England's approach in that last game against Belgium has been something 
of controversy. And I think going into that going into that game, many people were eyeing that second spot in the group and saying that it's a much easier route to the final as you wouldn't be facing Brazil so early on. But it kind of comes into question about the mentality of the whole squad if they're willing to lose a game just to get an easier run. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. England haven't done well in a World Cup for a very long time. And for once, it's looking somewhat promising, and they've just managed to get out of the group. So for them to take the liberty to throw a game in the World Cup is honestly quite disturbing. And and to be honest, I don't even like. It's true that overall that second half is is much weaker uh, than that top half with Brazil, France, Portugal, and and everyone else. But on paper, it's not that much easier than what Belgium is going to have to go through. Uh, England's going to have to face Colombia first. Belgium is going to have to face Japan. I would take Japan any day over Colombia. The only easy games or potential that England could have is the quarterfinal, where they would face the winner of uh, Sweden, Switzerland. But after that, they'll probably either, f- if they go through those two uh, games, like beating Colombia first and then Sweden or Switzerland, then they're going to have to face either probably Spain or Croatia. And I don't, I don't see how that's a easy, easy run to the final at all. So. I just didn't really understand uh, the mindset that England uh, had uh, working in that last game against Belgium since they knew who they'd be facing uh, and who their, like, the full draw was before the game. You're absolutely right. Um, I think um, for, for England to think that, can, that they can easily reach the semifinals is quite ludicrous. Um, for them to, given for them to even get to the semifinals would be a massive win for them. But... Uh, just that mindset, it doesn't sit right with me. But thinking more about the players who played against Belgium, um, that gave us a good insight as to how what strength um, England have apart from their starting 11. And unfortunately, it looked fairly poor apart from a few standouts like maybe Trent Alexander-Arnold and um, Eric Dyer, who plays like Henderson is described. But honestly, I appreciate that. I think that it's good to have a midfielder who can recycle play, and he did fairly well. Do you still think that England's going to be able to get through that Colombian side? I think it's going to be incredibly difficult. You mentioned a really good heart of this Colombian team, and if England aren't on top of it with the likes of Harry Kane, with the likes of Raheem Sterling and Lingard really firing on all cylinders, it's going to be incredibly difficult, but I think that they just might edge it. And this concludes our discussion of uh, four of those eight uh, games for the run of six of the World Cup. Uh, we're now going to give you our prediction for each of those games. Uh, Kieran's going to give his prediction. I'm going to give mine. Uh, we'll, and you guys will be able to like compare the two. Uh, who tell, and tell us in the comments who you agree with, who you don't, uh, where we went wrong. So we already talked a bit about this game. Uh, but starting with Ur- Uruguay-Portugal, who do you have? I think it might be um, Uruguay who go past to the next stage. All right. Uh, I have Portugal on that one. France, Argentina, who you got? Unfortunately, I might have to break the hearts of all the Alexi Poques and say Argentina. Uh, I was expecting this one. I absolutely don't agree with you, and I think France is going to go through. Uh, even though Messi, I think, will have an all right game. Uh, Brazil-Mexico, we haven't talked about that game, but pretty exciting too. Who do you have for this one? Yeah, definitely. Really exciting. And I do have a soft spot for Mexico as they are bearing the flag for CONCACAF. But um, Brazil has to go through in this one. Yeah, I agree with you as well. I think I think Brazil is going to have a not an easy, not an easy walk in the park, but a pretty I think they're going to have a pretty convincing win. Uh, now we move on to Belgium against Japan. 
I think that this one might be a bit easier than the rest. Um, I think Belgium might go through. Yeah, I agree with you. I think on paper, the one of the most uh, easiest draw, uh, at least for Belgium. Spain, Russia. Oh, this one's kind of difficult. Russia did fairly well. Um, and unfo- and it's nice to see a host nation go far in the competition, but I think this quality of Spain is just too much. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't I don't see Russia being able to upset that Spanish team. Uh, Croatia versus Denmark. We touched upon that a little bit during the podcast. Absolutely, it has to be Croatia. Totally, hundred percent Croatia. Uh, Sweden against Switzerland. A very on paper, very undecisive game. And not a not not one that people expected before the start of the competition. Yeah, absolutely. I I had to go back and forth myself, so I'm kind of wondering what you took on this one. Uh, I'm gonna go with Switzerland, just for the same reasons that I said they would go through uh, before the beginning of the competition. Uh, overall, a very strong team that knows how to play together. Players that can players like Shakiri and Shaka, who in the big games, especially in the World Cup for Shakiri, uh, just step up their games and are able to produce absolute stunners and I think I think that's going to be able to get through that uh, Swedish defense who's not going to be able to counter back I think that's a fantastic point but I might go with Sweden I think that just for the value of Sweden going far on the World Cup without Zlatan Ibrahimovic it excites me so much that I'm going to back them and the last game Colombia against England we all know that England are winning the World Cup and I have Colombia winning that one (laughs) and this concludes our run of 16 uh, podcasts Please uh, like, comment, share uh, on whatever you're listening this on. And don't hesitate to give us your thoughts and impressions on uh, just what we said, if you agree with us, if you don't. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'll be back after the round of 16 is over. Uh, and we'll yeah try to maybe talk a little bit about what happened, see if we were right, and, and present you with the quarterfinal fixtures. So stay tuned for that, and we'll see you in a few days, a few weeks.
It's coming home, 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 it's coming